You're listening to the Cars of Carlisle Network, podcast episode number 111, featuring John Hammer, Dodge spokesperson and performance driver. Cars of Carlisle is your favorite internationally downloaded podcast about all things automotive. Darren and his CFC team are ever searching for interesting automotive happenings, real stories about real car people, and fun features to inform and entertain you. Each week, the Cars of Carlisle crew brings you show topics ranging from car shows to team adventures to auto racing weekends to behind-the-scenes human interest stories from car nuts that live across town, across the country, or even across the globe. Come join the road trip. Today, join us in speaking with professional automotive broadcaster John Hammer. In addition to being a facilitator, radio podcast host, writer, and precision driver, John is a modern-day Mopar expert. For 14 years, Mr. Hammer has worked as a Dodge spokesperson, sharing his vast knowledge with fans everywhere. Additionally, John knows how to get around a track. Raised in Detroit, John has been a drifter, autocross racer, as well as a road course race car driver. Climb over the roll cage and listen in. He has some stories you're going to enjoy. It's time to get out of Dodge and travel down to Charlotte, North Carolina to talk all things Dodge. So, let's get wrapped up. Hello and welcome back, Tubers, to your favorite informative automotive podcast. I am your trusted host, Darren. This is episode 111, and in it, we're going to spend some time with John Hammer. He's an automotive event host and MC, a media specialist, a Mopar scholar, and a guy who can drive a car around most any track. So I'm hoping to meet up with John at the next Carlisle Chrysler National Show, and I can't wait for you to meet him and hear some of the great tales he has to say. And it's a really good point now to say thanks to my friends at Carlisle Events for always supporting and, and being uh, behind this show and uh, for making the introduction to John, too. I really appreciate that. Thanks to Mike Garland. And along those same lines, I would like to extend my gratitude to the management team at Porsche Mechanicsburg. Looking forward to the chance to work together with them, perhaps later again this year, when things settle down in the world. All right, gang, it is trivia time. Being that this is a Mopar-centric show, let's uh, go with this. What were the full names of the legendary Dodge Brothers? We'll have that answer at the end of the show. So for now, let's hop in, travel virtually to Charlotte, North Carolina, and speak with John Hammer. Hello, Cubers. This is Darren, and I am on the phone tonight with John Hammer. John, thanks so much for being part of the show, and I know that you are a TV and uh, radio personality and of, uh, of the past, and you now, of course, have your own uh, podcast show and everything. So welcome, fellow car guy. What can you say? I mean, we, just, we have a passion for the all things four-wheeled. Well, I'll tell you, honestly, Darren, it's a it's a thrill to be here, man. I really appreciate that. It's uh, it's it's pretty cool to hang out. Anytime you get a chance to hang out with uh, with other car guys and ladies, please don't get mad at me. I'll use that <laughs> generic air quote right. term: car people, enthusiasts, whatever. But uh, you know, I mean, it, you know, it's it, it's cool. Yeah, like like you said, you know, I'm uh, I am born and raised in Detroit. I'm a, a long time East Side uh, of, of the Motor City mm. kind of kid. Okay. Uh, I, um, you know, my dad was a, an automotive designer and engineer. Uh, much to his dismay, I failed a, uh, algebra, and so <laughs> I did not have uh, a career ahead of me in uh, in, in doing anything uh, that had anything to do with engineering. Uh, but uh, but I, you know, I got into broadcasting as as a profession. But cars were always my hobby. You know, I mean, I've had. And I mean, I you know I should I almost don't want to admit to this you know like my very first car ever was a, a 1981 Dodge Aries K car you know it's a <laughs> terrible car, um, but uh, but but then I you know I went on to own uh, other you know brilliant winners like um, at a at a couple of Corvairs. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've redeemed yourself, uh, thankfully, in recent years. <laughs> well, yeah, I've done I've done all right. You know, in recent years, I've had other cool things. Uh, I've had uh, I've been blessed. I, I owned a Viper for a while. That I have to admit, the Viper is the um, that's the one that got away. I never should have sold that car. What I'm, year I'm was yours? I'm truly an idiot. Was it first gen? I'm second, sorry, first generation, second second gen. What what? I jet was a Gen two GTS. It was a 2001 uh, GTS. It was uh, a sapphire blue, mm. silver stripes, 
and the cognac interior, like mm. that baseball glove brown leather oh, interior. Yeah. Uh, one of only 55 ever built in that, uh, that, that combination. That's sexy. And, um, it was super sexy, man. I'll, I'll, I've got pictures up on Instagram if you ever want to go back yeah, and yeah. see what a fool I was to get rid of it. It's <laughs> just gorgeous, man. gorgeous car. Um, and, you know, it was just one of those things where the, the day it was delivered, and uh, it was great because I, I bought it from from a, a, a dealership in um, uh, Omaha, Nebraska, outside of Omaha. Okay. And they actually delivered it. And I live in Charlotte, North Carolina these wow. days. So they delivered it to me. And the guy pulls up to my house, and it's it's late evening. It's like eight o'clock at night, and he backs the the, the trailer down my driveway, and he opens the door. And he's, I mean, he's a you know he's a bigger guy, and he had to kind of climb in <laughs> through the window to get inside the car. And uh, you know, my my family's down there in the garage with me, and he hits the key on this thing, and it's the loudest. I mean, just it's so loud, and burble, 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 burble. <laughs> and I remember looking over at my child, and my kid laughs. He's like, "This is the coolest thing ever, Dad!" <laughs> Great, man. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. Some people then ask, "Well, why did you sell it?" Right. And it's because some fool offered me ten thousand dollars more than I paid for it, and I'm like, "Oh, uh, yeah. of course." I'll take it. And now, and I sold it, I don't know, uh, four four years ago, probably now. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I couldn't buy it back for that 10 grand plus another five, probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. I truly do. Yeah, they're yeah. really cool. Yeah. And that, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, that's where it had the two helmet bumps on the roof line, right? There was, yeah. It had the double bubble roof on yeah. it. And I just, to me, you see, he was like, when it came to buying the car and I, and, and, uh, yeah, I, I've worked for, so, and just so folks listening know, uh, I have been blessed for the last, oh gosh, 14 years, uh, to work, uh, as a spokesperson for Dodge mm-hmm. at a number of events. In fact, in Carlisle, obviously, where a lot of folks know me there. Um, uh, but, uh, but when it came time to buy a Viper and I'd known that I'd wanted one for many years, I could have afforded a newer Viper. I could have afforded a Gen 3 um, or perhaps even a really beat-up Gen 4 if I'd found one. Uh, But to me, the Gen 2 GTS was, and of course this is before the Gen 5 came out, was just the epitome of, of, in my brain, what a Viper would be. And if I wanted a Viper in my garage, that was the car. That was the shape that I wanted To, to caress with my hands as I washed it, you know? <laughs> that's so true. That is so true. Yeah, that's yeah, a good way yeah. to describe it. Well, you uh, you certainly had a... And that what you had the six-speed? Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Uh, every Viper ever built has always been a six-speed. Right. I guess um, if you Yeah, if you've ever seen one that... There, a couple of folks have made some conversions for drag racing. Um, there, there was one guy that I met one time who actually did just the most bastardized thing you could possibly do to a viper he put a chevy power glide in the thing oh, ah, God. Ah, <laughs> it was fast it was really, it was really fast but ah, yeah <laughs> well let's talk i i you hit on something there that i want to maybe uh do a little mining on and that is just the uh as a spokesperson for dodge obviously i'm a carlisle native uh carlisle resident you come to carl at chrysler nationals and things but Talk a little bit about the preparation, what goes into how, because you really, truly have to know your product, products, inside mm-hmm. and out. Talk a little about that process and what goes into that. Well, you know, I, I, <laughs> let me, let me throw it to you this way. So my wife will look at me and every now and then I'll, I'll spew out some statistic right mm-hmm. just in passing we'll sit at dinner we'll be watching tv and something i pull something out and she looks at me and she rolls her eyes at me and she says your brain is full of the most useless car knowledge <laughs> <laughs> and I, thank you very much and I, what, yeah i know I'm like well hang on not really lady because it's paying the mortgage to put a roof over your head you know but uh-huh. um you know i i love coming to events like carlisle because because I have to have my A game on. Yes. Because you don't know who you're going to meet. You're right. I mean, you you might 
and everybody looks the same there, right? So, I mean, we, we're, we're all sweating our you-know-what's off because when we go, you know, at that time later in the summer, it's always hot as Hades. It's 100% humidity. It's always, we're always, you know, soaking wet. Right. And, and so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who, who you're talking to. You might be talking with, with an executive from FCA. You might be talking to somebody who just bought his first ever Mopar. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that you can't BS any of those people. Mm-hmm. You you have got you either know it or you don't, and you can you can pretty quickly figure out who's for real and and who's not. Well, and I and I have to play uh, very neutral because my my podcast really covers the full gamut, and I had a little bit of a, a failed quiz there with questioning myself about anything other than a six speed tranny and a. And a viper, so I show I show my so I'm all right. my, yeah all right. yeah the, the, but it's all right the, when uh, when I when I got my viper you know it's it's amazing how often somebody will come up to you and go yeah 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 my my buddy had one what what engine I, it's it's a V10 oh uh, yeah yeah my my buddy had my buddy just had the V8 one yeah. and you're just like no such thing you. now that no right. you really yeah yeah, yeah so. but I, I can tell you though that but, there's uh, there's something special about the Mopar family because. And is no disrespect to General Motors fans, Ford fans, and I actually enjoy the personality of each of the shows at Carlisle events and very different, um, almost different aura at each of the shows. But to your last point, though, Mopar uh, fans, those that are restoring uh, a Savoy or uh, – you, I mean, it could be anything. I mean, they, you, an imperial, you, going back for 50, 60 years, you really, those guys, truly know their stuff. Ed Bezeski comes to mind. He is a walking encyclopedia, and 100%. you cannot get anything past someone like that. So, yeah, no, no, for for sure, and you know, it, it's one of those deals where I've described it this way in the past. And I, I never want to, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to insult anybody, but the idea here is that, you know, it, it's like we, um, uh, you know, the Mopar folks are kind of like the redheaded stepchildren of the car world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, anybody can be a bow tie fan. You know, there are a gazillion blue oval guys. Uh, but you've got to be a special kind of knucklehead to want to get into into Mopar parts are harder to find. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't have the respect on the street as such. Now, in recent years, we've been very, very lucky. We've got a, a you know a fair amount of television that's really brought that end of the uh, of, of the hobby in, into our world. You know, Mark sure. Warman and the Graveyard Car Show has helped uh, oh, quite a bit. Much, yeah. um, you know, yeah. You know, Chris Jacobs has become a very good friend of mine over the years. Chris is a, you know, he's on overhauling and he, and he, you know, does lots of different shows. He is a humongous Mopar guy. So, I mean, you know, things like that have certainly helped. Um, but still at the end of the day, you know, you can argue whether, you know, Ford or Chevy are, are, are number one in that world. And then, you know, we're, we're, we're down there at number three, but that's okay. We don't mind that. We wear that as a badge of honor. Yeah, and I, I think that there's a lot of pride in that. I, I, I can sense that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. No, absolutely. But, I mean, you know, you, you pointed out, I mean, things like uh, you, you mentioned somebody with a, with a Savoy. You know, I'm, I, I was talking with a guy the other day about a, uh, a Dodge Coronet Crestwood. In the early 70s, that was the full-size station wagon. But here's the crazy thing. You could actually get one of those things with a 400 cubic inch V8 and a freaking four speed manual transmission in a full size station wagon, right? It's like, that's so ridiculous that I want one. Exactly. Because <laughs> the grocery bags are going to come flying out the back when you get on it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's uh, now, I have to admit, you know, we're. We're recording this on, on, on a Wednesday, and it was, I made a, po- a post earlier today. It's, you know, hashtag Wagon Wednesday. I'm a wagon nerd. I love station wagons. Um, I, one of my favorite cars uh, that, that we used to do, it at, that we had on the, well, if, again, if you've ever seen our, our Dodge Thrill Ride show over at, oh, yeah. at, at Carlisle. Absolutely. You know, we, we drift the college. Back when we had the the Magnum SRT, yep. you know that was a, a big Hemi powered four hundred twenty five horsepower. 
station wagon, yeah. and we would drift them. It's fantastic. Absolutely. So I would love to get my grubby hands on one of those things, but at the same time, you know, that we don't make those anymore. You know, a modern-day kind of, you know, idea, again, of you know, going back to that, that crazy Dodge Crestwood, has to be uh, a Cadillac CTSV wagon with a six-speed manual. Mm-hmm. It's a holy grail of coolness, <laughs> and I would, you know, you can't touch one of those things anymore for re- reasonable money because everybody who has one, they now know what they have. That's and, right. And if they're going to, there's going to be big cash. That's right. It's sort of like, yeah. and I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm crossing the line here, the DMZ line into to uh, bow type country, but it's sort of like the modern day nomad in a way. No, totally, hundred percent, man. I'm, I'm not going to beat you up on that. I'm the guy that just brought up a Cadillac. So it's all good. <laughs> Yeah, but that that is very cool. Do you, I was you talking about the Magnum? Maybe I'm I'm jumping around here, but I remember the uh, the Dodge ad uh, that had wasn't it like pulls up to a light or something? And somebody says, "What do you got in that thing?" And he's like, "Well, I've got a guitar, an amp, and all the things in the back of it." So it was, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, really completely clever, clever marketing. Sure. You know what was what really made that car fun was that it did have a little bit of extra weight over the rear end. Okay. And so that made it really good for drag racing. It was all because of the glass, really, over the over the rear end. So it just shifted the, the weight transfer just a little bit to the back, and uh, it made it great for uh, for drag racing because you had a little more a little more grip, a little better weight transfer. It was a great drift car because once you got the thing out, it would hang the rear end out because it had the weight out there, pendulum out. Um, it was a, a lot lot of fun. And then okay, so here. Here's some here's some Dodge Magnum minutia, right? Again, this is the <laughs> okay. stuff that uh, your wife will you, be you, so you know, proud of you. Uh, <laughs> right, you got to talk about you know the, the stuff that, that gets people. Um, is that in 2008? 2008 was the last year for the Magnum uh, the Magnum SRT. In 2008, it got a brand new front end that looked a lot more like the the refreshed Dodge Charger. Had a new uh, a scoop on the hood, whole new front fascia. Uh, it was very different, and it was only that year. So in that year, they only made a handful of, of the SRT8 versions anyway. However, the one that you really care about is the 2008 Magnum SRT8 in steel blue. There were only 29 of them ever made, wow. and it is an extremely rare car. Very, very cool to, to see any of those cars uh, ever pop up. But if you if you ever find any 2008 SRT, buy the car because it's awesome. But if you can get your hands on a steel blue one, nice. that, that, that's holy grail. Nice. Well, there's a pro tip to all listeners right there. Everybody's going to be out there scanning and trying to see what they <laughs> For can sure. Well, you have uh, let's if we can let's stay on talking about Carlisle. Uh, obviously, yeah. you, you go to all kinds of events. You host and MC events all over. What is in your mind special about uh, just about Carlisle and the Chrysler National Show? You know what I like about it? It's the size. Okay, it's just humongous, and uh, and and that's uh, you can argue that's good or bad. I mean, luckily, it's a it's a multi day event which helps a ton because you need that time to, uh, to, to go around there. I mean, it, it's kind of like going to, you know, you go to SEMA, and, and I know Joe Average can't get into SEMA, uh, but SEMA is one of those shows where it's just so physically large um, that you're going to walk miles and miles, and you just you, you can't do it in one day. Sure. And Carlisle's the same way. You know? I mean, I guess you can kind of you know, pick and choose and, and, and nitpick if you didn't want to see everything, but if your goal was to get around there and see everything, you, you need that weekend. That, that's for sure, and, and, I, and I dig that. Carlisle, to me, has become... One of those events where, you know, I'll go there every year and, and I reunite with some friends of mine that I may only see that once a year. And, and so that's, you know, that's a, a pretty cool deal. You know, we'll, we'll go to people's, you know, homes or they'll have a party or they'll, you know, get to have a get together in a, in a, in a hotel parking lot. There's another pro tip, you know, right. anytime that I'm sure it's not just our show, but any of the shows, um, you know, when those stores are going around. You know, you in the evenings, wow, you go around to all the parking lots at all the local hotels, and, and there's enough going on over there to keep you going all night long, oh, too. But I do. I love, you know, the, the people are great. The, the personalities are fun. Mm-hmm. The cars are fantastic. And, uh, and you know what? I, you know, the other thing that I really like about it is the fact that, that there is 
a little bit of everything there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I, again, a lot of people when they think of of a of a, a car show like that, okay, they're going to think, yes, there's going to be some modern Mopar stuff there. You know, you're going to see some challengers, and you're going to see Hellcats and demons, and you know, you're going to see, you know, you know, old school Barracudas, and you're going to see, you know, old old you know, challengers and and, and whatnot, and that's great. But you're also going to see, you know, oddball race cars, and you're going to see the, you know, I'm I'm 50 years old, you know, I'm born in 1969, so I grew up a lot in, in my my formative car guy years were were very strong in the late 70s through the say early 90s, and we're well, on the same timeline, by the way. Yeah, my man. I mean, those were not exactly high water marks for some no, of them. <laughs> I can tell you how many times my father swore under his breath as we were trying to climb a mountain in a uh, Mercury Marquis station wagon. He would say, this gut is blankety blank, you know, so. You bet, 100%, you know. But that said, there has been a really good, um, a, a, a really good renaissance in in what well i mean if you've ever seen we, we call it the radwood show you know radwood has got this great deal going on celebrating 80s and 90s cars but we're starting to refer to those cars as radwood era cars and i'm thinking about things like a like a dodge omni glhs oh yeah it, it, it's such a cool car i mean so much turbocharged front wheel drive <laughs> goodness and whoever thought we'd be saying that at the same time? But, I mean, it's such an oddball, unique car. I just love it. And then, so, again, you'll appreciate this. The car that I learned how to drive a, a stick on, a manual transmission on, I learned how to drive a stick when um, when I turned 16. My dad brought home a 1978 Plymouth Sapporo. Wow. I, I, I don't even – I'm trying to visualize that car. I, right, and uh, a lot of folks they get that confused with uh, with like a, a Colt or uh, one of the other Mitsubishi based okay. uh, imports. And it was it was a Mitsubishi. It was essentially a Mitsubishi okay. Gallant okay. that was rebadged. But Dodge also sold a version of that as the Dodge Challenger. And both of those cars, the Plymouth Sapporo and the Dodge Challenger, which okay. were sold from 78 through 82 or 83. Okay. I didn't realize uh, they had to run that long, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they were, they actually, you could get a couple of different engines, but the, but the big motor, you ready, you ready for this? The big motor was a 2.6 liter, and I'm not making this up, Hemi. Wow. Hemispherical so, heads on that thing. <laughs> Hemispherical heads. So here's one. This this is one. This if you want to know how I drink for free at the bar, this is how I do it. <laughs> I I I go. All right, you guys. You get and, and I'll, again, I'll tell them. You, you got to tell me how. Tell me the car that I that I learned how to drive a drive a, a manual transmission on. It's front engine, rear wheel drive, five speed, Hemi powered. And they'll all look at me like I got three heads, and they'll start calling out old Hemi cars. Right, right, right. But for me. None of those had five speeds in them, so um, you know the the five speed thing could be a giveaway. But we actually sold those cars. I say we. I didn't work for Dodge back then. I was a kid. But um, but but you know Dodge and, and Chrysler sold those cars with a badge on the side that said two point six Emmy, right there on it. Wow, that is so cool. I that that is right there. That that price of admission for that factoid. There you go. There's there there, and now you know. And now I can relate to what your wife would say at dinner. So, hundred percent, man, hundred percent. Well, talk a little bit more too about just as you're going into a show. Uh, how does it work? Does Dodge give you spec sheets? Because I know you said you have just myriad of stats and specs and all how do you how do you kind of get that mind all ready to go because you said uh, earlier you could be hit with a question from a really diehard know-it-all person yep yeah uh you know so the the company wants us up to speed on all the modern products and and i make no bones about it that is my area of expertise modern mopar from about 06 on up um, you, you, you'd be pretty hard pressed to stump me on something. However, 
my dad had a couple of barracudas when I was a kid growing up. And of course, just being in Detroit, you know, I've got my own knowledge in the back. I will also throw this out. I'm pretty darn good buddies with Steve Mignante. And Steve is a walking, flipping encyclopedia of all things muscle car. But he really, he really knows his old Mopars uh, in a great way. So I've learned a lot from Steve hanging out with him over the last, you know, better part of a decade. So that part's really, really good. But I do, you know, when, when there are new models coming out, Every single year, I'm always studying up and, and learning new things so that I can tell the difference between, you know, one model year to another, if there's a color change from one to another, if, uh, you know, if there's, uh, you know, one of the, one, I'll give a, a good example of this. A couple of years ago, you would, you would be able to buy a Challenger or a Charger SRT with a 392 cubic inch Hemi in it, 485 horsepower. Okay. Well, Last year, where are we now? In twenty, I guess twenty nineteen. Yeah, last year, uh, they did away with the three ninety two SRT. So all SRT cars are now either Hellcats or Hellcats or Demons. Well, I guess they were they weren't the Demons. So it was just Hellcats or now Hellcat Red Eyes at the time. A three ninety two car, you could only get that as a Scat Pack. But you could upfit a scat pack with all of the old SRT parts in it. So you could still get the adaptive damping suspension. You could still get the six piston brakes. You could still get the, the bigger wheels and tires on it. So you could essentially build the same car that was once labeled as an SRT 392, but you would get it as a scat pack with certain option packages on it. So it's, it's kind of confusing. Um, and it made sense. They actually did that to, to pare down. Uh, all the different selections that were there because it, it really was one of those things where you'd, you'd go to Dodge.com and you take a look at all the cars and I mean there's like you know a gazillion different versions of a Challenger or a Charger you could buy I and mean, which one was what so that kind of helped pare things down to do it that way but you know I, I know those different things and it's yeah so but you do you you got to stay up on it if there are not generally speaking it, it, within a model run there aren't a lot of of running changes from year to year. And that's not just in, uh, in, in FCA. That's, you know, you know, Ford and, and GM and, and, and even the imports are similar that way too. But when they do a big model changeover, there's a lot of extra learning. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, people don't realize that there's a lot of behind the scenes work to do it. When you see me at Carlisle, okay. you are, you are seeing, you're seeing the show. You're not seeing the preparation. Okay. And I, I liken it. I mean, it really is. It's just like putting on a show, right? I mean, when uh, it's it's the old joke of you you like to eat sausage, but you don't want to see it being made. <laughs> well, when you see me at Carlisle, you're eating my sausage. There you go. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> it really is, you know. There's there's a lot of preparation, you know, beforehand. So we are we're, we're studying up on things. Uh, we're learning the product. We want to find out what's going on, um, you, you know. And I'll be the first to tell you that, you know, through my years in in the industry, I have a lot of friends at headquarters, and I will get uh, I'll get the stories, the backstories from from the guys and gals in engineering, and I really prefer doing that because. You know, it's like it, any, any clown can stand up there in, in, in front of people and, and tell you, it goes zero to 60 in three point blah, 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 blah seconds. Mm-hmm, you know, sure. Well, all right, that's fine. But if you've got an engineer that, that can tell you a, a great backstory, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden, now you've got something that's really truly engaging to your audience. Yeah. And I love that. You know, it's like one of my favorite stories to, to tell is the exhaust. Uh, we were doing a show, uh, I, you know what, I, we must have been doing the, the, the Roadkill show uh, in August. We do that in, in Detroit every year, uh, just before the Woodward Dream Cruise. And I had this guy who was just, he was ready to fight me, man. He did not believe that the cars that we were running on our throw ride course were running factory exhaust. He was, what is that, man? Is that a course of the man? Is that a board of the man? Come on, man. I'm like, it's stock. He was, come on, man. Is that running the Zoomers, man? I'm like, dude, it's stock. It's factory exhaust. Wow. And the story behind the exhaust, though, is what really is fun because I can just, you know, anybody else would just say, oh, that's a factory exhaust and blow the guy off. But the, the back story is, is that I talked with Jim Wilder, who's the lead engineer on, on the Hellcat. 
and, and on to the demon as well, for that matter. And Jim tells the story about the exhaust like this. He says, we knew that it was too loud. And we knew that when we went to the government to get it certified, because OEMs have to have their exhausts certified by the government, the government limits us to a certain decibel limit at a, at a certain drive-by, and, and it has to be at that limit or, or below. You go over, you fail the test, you've got to go back and re-engineer it. He says, so we knew we were too loud, but we figured that we would go, we'd figure out how over the, the, the limit we were, and we just dial it back and we go back a second time. There's no, no penalty for that. I said, all right, fair enough. He says, so we went to the test, and we did the test, and the guy says, Okay, cool. You guys are all good. Good to go. They, they, they passed the test. How is and that? Says, we all, yeah. He says, we all looked at each other like, what the heck just happened here? Right. And he goes, he, he says, did, they got, I guess, did you get the signature? I got the signature. Did you get the paperwork? I got the paperwork. And he says, Hurry, run, we looked run. at each other like a bunch of college guys that had just stolen a case of beer and ran out of the backside of the, uh, of, of the, the quickie mark, you know? Wow. laughing all the way back and so there you go the exhaust wow. on that car on a hellcat is literally just at the absolute edge of what is legally allowed in the country wow there you go that's an awesome story now and i i, I gotta tell you too this the whole uh dodge thrill ride for those that haven't done it down on the autocross course it is i i go every year it's just so much fun i mean i think it's one of the best draws it is, and we've been doing it for a long time, and, and you know, I'm kind of jaded because I've been doing this forever, mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes people will wait. I mean, holy cow, I mean, I've seen people wait an hour and a half or longer to go on a ride that's all of about 45 seconds long, mm-hmm. and everybody gets out, and they're smiling, going, that's the best thing, and every year when I come, it's the first thing I'm going to go do, and man, Hammer, I can't wait to come see you again, and you you guys put on such a great show, I'm like, I'm, don't get me wrong, man, I mean, I'm thrilled they're coming back, but there are times that I'm sitting around going, man, it's 100 degrees out here, I don't know if I stand like well, that long true. for yeah. it, but God yeah. bless them, I'm glad they do. Yeah, well, how many, I mean, you guys bring how many sets of tires? Oh, geez, I mean, that's, you know, one of the craziest things, we talk about how we go through tires so, so quickly, and uh, and actually, the course there at Carlisle is is not as bad as some of the courses that we run on. Uh, your blacktop is in really good shape there uh, on that autocross course mm-hmm. on the pad there, uh, and uh, and it's smooth, so we don't get an awful lot of tire wear. Okay. However, that said, generally speaking, we will blow through a set of rear tires while we're drifting these cars every two hours. Oh my. I can believe that, though. I mean, yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes we'll get a little bit more. You know, over there, we might get two and a half, 245 maybe even out of a set of rears over there because it's it's pretty good. If the sun's not out, if it's cloudy, if it's a little bit cooler, we'll we'll get better tire wear as well. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll... We'll do, uh, I mean, one of our, one of our worst events was, uh, was at, uh, uh, Barrett Jackson last year in Scottsdale. Okay. We did, uh, or not, not last year, earlier this year. That was, you know, we only got a few events in this year before, you know, the whole COVID deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the course that they put us on in years past had always been blacktop. And it was, you know, our average regular, you know, no big deal two, two and a half hours out of a set of tires. It just was what it was. Well, we got there this year, and they had resurfaced the parking lot. Now, if you've ever been out there to that, that facility or watched uh, Barrett-Jackson on television from Scottsdale, it's at a place called Westworld, which is a giant equestrian facility. And, you know, for 355 days out of the year, they, they park horses and horse trailers on that 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 parking lot that we drift in so they put this this aggregate down it was this rocky aggregate stuff and then it gets sprayed with like a a tar almost on the top okay again awesome if a if a horse is going pee on it it's perfect (laughs) if you're trying to drift a whole cat not so much so I'll cut the chase here. The the first day that we were there, 
our first sets of tires on the first day only made it 45 minutes before oh we went from brand new to ported. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you're yeah, basically yeah. on sandpaper. <laughs> yeah, it really was. It, it was absolutely, it absolutely was. It's, you know, you figure and these tires aren't cheap. I mean, these are 500 bucks a piece, you know, retail price on these tires. And they're really expensive. Oh my gosh. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So yeah, that's true story. True story. Scouts on it right there, man. True story. I love it. And again, there you go, Jen. Right, that's what we're talking about. It's it's like I could tell you the tires wear out in two hours, right. and that's 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 a cool statistic. But the story is more fun to tell the stories. Absolutely. You know, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things too where um, you just love to hear that. Like I remember, it's funny how certain stories stay with you. I remember a, a friend of mine from Texas. He said that uh, he had a good buddy that worked as a mechanic for uh, a Dodge dealership back back then, and, and we forget where it was near Irving or something. And he said uh, the true little old lady from Pasadena came in with her coronet or something, and she kept saying how it was yeah it, it sounded like the the heads were floating at high RPM, and and she said she wanted it looked at and everything. So kept bringing it back, complaining two or three or four times, and finally. This, like lady it's fine she goes no you got to really push it to hear what i'm hearing so i guess they took it out one afternoon on a light traffic day and got it up to like 110 or 115 and they said well we we heard that but it, it we were we were pushing like 6300 6500 at tacking up and we were you know triple digits and she said that's what i'm talking about you know so it's, it's just a great story of like she was upset because she was running some some serious speed, and she wanted it to to be running tight. So that's this. awesome, man. That that's so cool. Yeah, you know, me- mechanics have some of the best stories ever, though, because like I, I do, I do most of. Uh, I've got a road course car, and I do most of my own work on on the car. But uh, if I don't have time, or if I'm traveling for work, I've got a prep shop that's um, you know about an hour and a half, almost two hours away from me. But I'll I'll drag it down there and I'll let those guys uh, do the do the prep work on it. And those guys they'll tell some just some crazy stories about you know stuff that people have done or they didn't know or they attempted and they got into trouble. And mm-hmm, what's mm-hmm. the old joke about? You know your the your mechanic's hourly rate is uh, you know seventy five dollars an hour. Unless they're uh, unless they're fixing something that you broke, then it's ninety five dollars an hour. <laughs> right, exactly. That's right. It's just, yeah. No, it's 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 a blast to to have. And I have a couple of buddies that have run their own shop, and uh, yeah, just uh, just what you get the anecdotes and things, man. It, it just it shakes your head. You, you scratch and shake your head at the same time. Well, do you have? Oh, you, any... You're gonna love. Go ahead. So, well, I was gonna say so. So I went. I went looking for a for a car the other day, and I again. I know we we sit here. We we talk that I, I make a good living with with Dodge, but I, I'm a sucker for, uh, for for early Mustangs. I've always wanted a '64 and a half through '66 Mustang. Nice. You know. Mm-hmm. So every now and then, you know, I'll just I'll, I'll see one. Something will pop up on Facebook Marketplace or on Craigslist or whatever, and if it's close enough by, I'm like, yeah, I'll go take a peek at it. So I'm not making this up. Man. Just this past Sunday on Mother's Day morning. I go to take a look at one. It's about 20 minutes from the house, and it looked really good in in the pictures, right? I mean, the pictures are a little dark, but I mean, like, yeah, it looks pretty good. I'm like, ah, I'll go take a peek at it. Mm-hmm. And the guy says, yeah, it's got no rust on it. All right. So I get there. And, of course, what's the first thing through on the passenger door? Rust. I'm like, are you seriously? The, the paint job looked awful. It apparently it had sat underneath a tree for 20 years and hadn't moved. Um it was relatively solid, but anyway, this guy had started to do a bunch of work on it. He'd done some suspension work, some underneath uh, undercarriage work. Motor was running sweet, new exhaust on it, new fuel tank on it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things like that were really good. And, um, and he mentioned in, in, uh, in an email between the two of us, he says, there's, uh, oh, what's the word that he used? A defect in the left rear quarter panel. I'm like, <laughs> okay. All right. Is that, it's a weird word. Is that you know, synonymous damage, with Bondo, or what yeah. does that mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm like, all right, well, I'll be curious. And he didn't send me a picture of it. So so I get there, and, uh, dude, this is crazy because the from behind the wheel well, that entire lower chunk there, about the lower 12 or 14 inches of it, 
is wrinkled like crazy back then. <laughs> what in the world? And I'm looking at it. I'm like, it, it's too low for somebody. It's not that there's no way somebody hit the car. It would have been much higher up, right? Uh-huh. And I looked at him. I'm like, what? What is? What happened here? And he hung his head in shame, <laughs> and he said, "It's my fault." <laughs> what, what do you mean? He says, "Yeah, I'm gonna believe this." He says, "I I had put everything back together." He says, "I'd run up to the to the dealership to buy a couple of parts for a different car, uh-huh. and I was leaving the you know, the dealership's right up the street, right? It's just right up the road." He says, and I left the dealership, and I turned down to the main road, and the wheel fell off. Oh. He didn't torque his lug nuts. Oh. The wheel fell off. He says, the wheel went bouncing across the road, oh. then hit another lady's car and bounced off into the woods. Oh, and he goes dragging the thing, you know, until it ground to a halt on, on this. I'm like, you <laughs> Kidding me, man! <laughs> you know, I'm impressed that he fessed up to it because sure. he could have said anything. He wouldn't have known any better, you know. Sure, sure. But yeah, oh yeah. Wow. Nope, nope. Drove it up. Got the wheels on it. Wow. Yeah, that that's a that's a bad day maker right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, do you have uh, a favorite uh, story from your your years of coming to Carlisle? Uh. It, you know, it has, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's got to be the hat story, I suppose. Okay. So, so it, this was about five years ago, and it was really hot. I mean, it was, again, it was one of those excruciatingly hot, hot weekends, um, you know, close to 100 degrees and, you know, 95% humidity kind of thing. And we were baking in the sunshine. And uh, you know, I'm not a big hat guy. I'm not much of a cap guy myself. I've got spiky hair. If you guys have ever seen me in person, I've got spiky hair. It's kind of part of my look, I guess. Um, and so, you know, it's just kind of there. Anyhow, one of the guys that, um, uh, that I'm talking with in line, I've never met him before. Okay. Never met the guy before in my life. Okay. <clears throat> he's chit-chatting with me and he's like, I'm like, yeah, okay, great. Yeah, cool. He goes for his ride, whatever. Half an hour later, I hear this from the, hey, John, hey, John. And I look over to the side of, of, our, of our drifting area there, and he's over there. He waves me on over. I go on over. I'm like, hey, man. He goes, hey, ride was great. He says, but he goes, I've had skin cancer. He goes, this is for you. And he hands me a hat. He went to one of the vendors on site and bought me a big, wide-brimmed hat. Oh my. Oh my. I don't know what we're things come and it's probably it's probably got to be a twenty dollar hat oh my and i'm God. like well let me give you 20 bucks for a vet he goes no 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 no. he comes back every single year Aww. and it's me now and uh and, and now i i don't wear that hat anymore right. but i actually do now have a different wide brim hat that i wear pretty regularly on, on particularly hot days. But I'm telling you, it's all because of this guy talking about skin cancer wow. and that first straw, big straw hat that he gave me. It was really cool. That is cool. Yeah, and, and you, you know, in his mind, he was doing a good thing. And, uh, you know, you've got a, got a great story and a, somebody that gave, you know, cared. And they wanted to make sure you were oh, covered. Yeah. So. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> it, was, it was super cool, man. It was, it was really great. And, again, it's like every year, you know, he comes by and says hi, and, and, and that's our joke right there. Right, that's right. pretty neat. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, next question that popped in my head is we've all, I, I mean, we've all driven them just that stupid, fast, like, I'm going to really hurt myself kind of ridiculous and maybe maybe it was the gts or what have you but what yeah. what is the car that you will tell your grandkids like uh it, it pretty much scared me what was that what was that that experience for you it would have been the first time that i ever drove a hellcat okay Okay. The very first time that I ever drove a Hellcat, this is before it was even officially released, uh, but we were doing the uh, – Dodge used to have its uh, its own in-house driving school. It was called the SRT Track Experience. Okay. And that program traveled around the country. It it ran for – I was actually the lead instructor of it for nine years. So – 
it, it was great. And we went from track to track. So we, we got to drive all the, the, the major tracks. Before we went on, you mentioned uh, you've driven over at Watkins Glen. Love it. It's one of my favorites. We've been there before. But we were at Road America up in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. And Elkhart Lake, uh, Road America is one of the the fastest racetracks in this country. It is, I mean, the front stretch is super long. The run from turn three down to turn five is downhill. It's wide open throttle. Um, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. So when the Hellcat comes out, we're there, and Ralph Gio, who was at the time was the president of Dodge, he's gone on to become now the global head of design for all of FCA. Uh, Ralph is there with, uh, with his Viper. He's, he's got a, a white Gen 5 Viper that at the time was pretty much brand new. It's his 13, it was first year for the Gen 5. Uh, so he's got that, and it was his track day car. But then he also brought his own Hellcat. So we do our event that day with all of our guests our owners that came to do the, the day. And we're done at, you know, five-ish. Afterwards, he throws me the keys. He goes, you want to go out and play? <laughs> like when, when, when Ralph, you know, throws you the keys to his personal car, I'm like, yeah, let's go, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm getting, in, I'm getting myself situated in the car. And, of course, I've driven SRT 392s for, for years. I know the, the Challenger. I know the car well but not with 707 horsepower. Yeah. I'd driven some, uh, some NASCAR-style stock cars in my past, but, um, but, but even those were only at about 650, 675 horsepower. Um, this is 707 horsepower. So I asked him, I said, what am I getting myself into, Ralph? What's this thing going to drive like? And he says, it's just like a Challenger, only faster. Wow. <laughs> like, all right, okay, great, here we go. So, we get out, we, we pull out on the track, and of course, it's uh, a Challenger Hellcat. Any, I guess any Challenger that has a manual transmission has, it's a Tremec, it's a TR6060. It's the same transmission that the Viper has. So it feels very Viper-like. So I've got a lot of seat time in Gen 5 Vipers at this point, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. Right, right. The ratios are a little bit different, but, but you know, it, it works the same way, so it's, it's comfortable that way. So we get out on track. He's in his Viper, and I am in the Challenger Hellcat. So I let him, I let him go out. So I'm going to follow him. And so, you know, his Viper is, you know, he's going to handle the corners faster than I am anyway, no, no, no matter what, but I should be able to roll right up on him on straightaways and holy crap. I can, I mean, like I have to lift out of the gas. We take this. Yeah. Cause I'm catching, I'm running down his 206 mile an hour Viper. I'm catching him in this challenger. He's got more top end, but, but we're not going top end, right? We're just right, right. accelerating. We're floating squirt off the corners. So, so we come around the first time, the, the first time by we kind of take that first lap as a warm up lap and it's four miles around. So as we come up the front stretch, it's like, okay, game on. He gives me the thumbs up. I give him thumbs up. It's game on. Let's roll. So we come flying up the front stretch there, and I mean, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing 160 miles an hour in this car, and you know, we ro- and there's more, and I'm lifting right. There's more in the car, and so we we play tag, and you know, I stay right up his hiney, and we go sliding through corners a little bit, and I get my my heel and toe. Just, I mean, it's it's good, but I got to tell you, at about three laps in, I got cocky. Whoopsie! <laughs> and and I'm telling you, at the kink at Road America, the the back. If you ever want to see something terrifying, go get on YouTube and and find Catherine Legg's IndyCar crash at the kink. Okay. Terrifying. L e g g e. Catherine Legg. She drove an IndyCar for a few years. Okay. Um, it horrifying. I thought I watched somebody die. She actually walked away from the wreck. It was horrifying. Wow. But I'm going through the kink, and I, I same thing. I, I carried a little too much speed, mm-hmm. and I rolled off to the edge, and I just touched the edge at, you know, I mean, triple-digit speeds. I'm like, mm, I'm going to back her down a little bit, man. Mm-hmm. That one, biggest pucker factor I've ever had. I was going to say, you like, pulled some of that upholstery up into your, uh, your, 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 yeah, yeah. 100%, 100%, yeah, for sure, <laughs> yeah. Code Brown, Code Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that's a great story. I mean, I'm glad you, you were able to uh, come away from it, but woof. 
Yeah, that yeah, was... it, it could have been it could have been big, and and at that right there, I mean, I I took a big a big 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 gasp. I don't think I I took a breath for probably three or four corners after that one. I'm like, whoopsie, oh, okay, back her down, back her down, Clyde. That's great. That is great. Yeah. Well, I want to uh, before we we wrap, I definitely want to give a little promotion to what you're doing. I mean, for for my listeners, go to thejohnhammer.com, and uh, you'll you'll see the spiky hair that uh, John referenced yeah. there. But I mean, you've done you've done a little bit of it all. I mean, like you said, from your broadcasting background, uh, racing, precision driver. I know it's on your site. But hashtag yeah. let's, let's talk cars. Take it away. I mean, talk a little bit about what you're doing right now with your video podcast and just whatever projects you wanna wanna promote. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I've, you know, I've got a couple things that are going on right now that are that are really cool. I've got uh, again staying with the with the Dodge theme. We are about to launch a brand new video podcast at DodgeGarage.com. DodgeGarage.com is Dodge's enthusiast magazine online, if you will. So it is owned by Dodge. But here's what's awesome about it. The folks at Dodge, they don't force me to be on message. I don't have to sit there and give you some corporate line. It is legitimate. When we write a story, we can, you know, I, I've, I've written a, a story about a guy restoring a 71 Challenger uh, who, who got his start restoring cars on a Chevelle, and they didn't care. They left it in, like, because that's real. That's what car guys and gals do. That's right. So we're going to, we're, we're launching uh, any day now. I think, we're, I think we're within probably a week or two of getting that, uh, that video podcast launched. We're going to do a couple of months, I think, is the plan. Uh, I've got several actually already pre-recorded and edited. We're just waiting to get everything all, all lined up. But it's called the Dodge Garage Download, and we're going to feature... Uh, we're going to feature owners and enthusiasts and celebrities uh, and into their garages. Uh, coming up uh, on one, I've got a gal who actually uh, does, uh, does a stage rally in a Dodge Caliber SRT4. She goes over 100 miles an hour through the woods in dirt uh, in a car that she likes to say is constantly trying to kill me <laughs> because it's Front wheel drive and has way too much boost. It's really cool. Um, so you know, so that's coming up. So you can go to dodgegarage.com, and of course, I've been writing stories for that website for a couple of years now. So you can always find stuff there. I also host something called the Driving Show. Uh, the Driving Show was a nationally syndicated radio show for several years. I've turned that into a podcast and now a video podcast as well. And so, uh, so uh, it's similar to the whole Dodge idea, right? The, but that one, I don't have to be Dodge. Specific, so uh, you know, I mentioned uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, before we, we went on, you know, I'm I'm an old Corvair guy, you know. If I want to do a, a show on Corvairs, or if I want to talk about you know safety, or if I want to talk about motorcycles, we can talk about all that kind of stuff over at uh, at the Driving Show, uh, which is on Instagram at the Driving Show. Uh, let's see what else is going on here. That's that's big, you know. I mean, I still uh, still do some road racing, uh, although all that stuff's been kind of you know put on hold for the time being with the with the whole virus deal. Uh, but, uh, but I mentioned earlier, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I am excited that uh, NASCAR comes back, uh, you know, this coming weekend over at uh, at Darlington, and then over at Charlotte Motor Speedway after that. Admittedly, no fans in the stands, but uh, I could, in theory, go drive past the speedway if I want to and sure. and uh, get a get a get a hearing uh, of that stuff, but. You know, all that stuff, we talk about it on my social channels. I mean, really, the easiest thing to do, come find me uh, on Instagram, the John Hammer, T-H-E-J-O-H-N-H-A-M-M-E-R, uh, on Instagram and on Facebook, uh, at the John Hammer, Instagram or Facebook. Either way, that's really the easiest way to come find me. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, I cool. encourage all of my listeners to you know, check all that out. And... Uh, John, I like like I say with all of my guests, it's instant friendship, and uh, looking forward to uh, meeting in the future. And I know we'll probably have to do elbow bumps versus handshakes in the future, but uh, definitely, if I'm down your way or next time you're back up, obviously, I mean, I'll be at each of the shows this season, uh, depending on what we can do. And uh, Mike Garland's keeping that schedule out there on CarlisleEvents.com, so everybody, you want to come to Chrysler Nationals uh, or whatever uh, whatever show. Uh, keep keep a, an eye to that as well. Uh, dude, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I've always wanted to come to the uh, the, the the kit car nationals because there's the, I, I love oddball cars. Oh yeah, love yeah, love oddball cars, and I know that show is 
packed with oddball it cars, is. and I need to be up there one of these days for that. I would love to have you. Just come on up, because the import show is is so much fun. I mean, I know this sounds so, uh, it's the inner child in me, but every year when I get my program going into gate three, they've got the passport program and you go to each of the countries. They've got the the flag. So you go to Germany, you go to France, uh, you go to Japan and US and, and you they have a, a model there in a the tent. You get your passport stamped. You can go to different, so you can go check out a Peugeot. You can go check out, you, you just All go right. from country to country and it's really well done. That's cool. That's very cool. I'm I'm all for it, man. I I, I like to refer to to some of those cars as, as orphan cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to have a. You'll appreciate this. Then I bet you somebody has shown up with one. I've I've had a couple of Saab 900s in my past. Oh, I had including. A, oh, I had a 9000 yeah. S, and I loved it. Did you? Well, you'll appreciate this. Then I had a 900 SPG. Oh, oh my gosh, that's rare. Really rare. I mean, they <laughs> yeah. they imported them for five years and only brought six thousand into the country total. And I had one, <laughs> and uh, and it was awesome, man. It was a great car. I drove I drove it for several years, blew the turbo up, and I sold it for more than I bought it for with a blown turbo. <laughs> wow, that is very, very cool. It's cool. It's cool. Car guys, man, we're nerdy like that. Yeah, we are. We we absolutely are. Well, I'll give you the final turn behind the wheel. Anything you want to close the show with? You know what? I'd like to, uh, to to remind everybody to be smart and be safe out there on the road. Uh, I do see. Uh, I was just talking with, uh, with with my son. Actually, he's 13 years old, and he was in the car with me the other day, and we saw some stupidity in front of us. And uh, and and I said, you know, it, it's like I I, I I want so badly to just, and I can't believe I haven't done it yet. I got to put some video cameras in my car, some some you know some driving cameras in there, some dash cams, because the amount of stupidity is, is crazy. Mm-hmm. Don't make low, uh, high risk and, and low return moves. You know, it's just, it, it will, it's not that imperative to get to the next stoplight. Right. So right. take the time, be smart out there, keep your eyes open for other people. Um, I also ride motorcycles, uh, you know, always keep an eye out for bikes and just, you know, use your brain guys. I'm a huge fan of taking it to the track, whether you're a drag racer, you're autocrossing, you're road course guys. I don't care what you are. Take it to the track. Don't do that stuff on the street. Yep, good point. In fact, at lunchtime, I was out on my my road bike, um, and it seems like every time I'm out and running some country roads, uh, without fail, there's a a pickup truck uh, chrome mirror that almost takes off my elbow, not giving me that four four foot berth kind of thing. So yeah, I, I understand. And I, I have my motorcycle license and it's, it tell you what, I think anybody that has a motorcycle or license or, or rides you, it makes you a better driver because you are appreciative and cognizant of everybody out there. 100%. In fact, I've said it before. I think that everybody who drives a car should go out in traffic on a motorcycle once mm-hmm. because it will scare the crap out of you mm-hmm. and you will never look at motorcycles the same way again. No, you don't. I've never felt more vulnerable than that very first time I ever, I took my maiden voyage on a, on a motorcycle out. I, you know, when I was learning, I'd, I'd roll through the neighborhood a little bit, but when I went out onto an actual road road in traffic for that first time, oh. it was, it was, that was, dare I say, that was as scary as my incident in the Hellcat. <laughs> yeah, I can believe that. I can believe that. Yeah. There's pucker power on both sides. Oh, go. show, man. Oh, show. <laughs> well, John, thank you so much for giving a big part, big chunk of your afternoon this Wednesday. I really appreciate it, man. Can't wait to stay in touch with you. My pleasure. It was a, a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. All right, bud. Take care. Hello, and welcome back to Studio A. Would like to express my sincerest appreciation to John Hammer for his interview and certainly for being a new friend to the Cars of Carl Allen Network. Before we uh, put it in park, I do owe you the answer to this week's trivia question. And if you recall, earlier in the show, I had asked, what were the full names of the legendary Dodge brothers? Well, this answer, and thanks to some research through Wikipedia, um, the Dodge brothers were Horace Elgin Dodge and John Francis Dodge. And in the early 1900s, they had created or founded the Dodge Brothers Company, which was essentially a parts supplier um, for Detroit-based automakers, and they started to begin. Uh, they did start with building complete cars under the Dodge Brothers brand, 
And that came about in the year 1914, all of which predated uh, what we know uh, to have been the Chrysler Corporation. Now, famous town in, in Michigan, Hamtramck, um, that's where the Dodge main factory was. And that was really up until, well, starting in 1910, all the way up until uh, winter of 1980 when it did close. And in light of what's been happening in the world with the pandemic, it's um, quite a parallel to note that the Dodge brothers, both of them actually, uh, passed away in the year 1920 from the Spanish flu. So that is this week's trivia answer. So before we, again, turn that ignition off for this week's show, I want to say thank you again to all of you for listening week after week. You are what make this podcast, make this show. Thank you so much for sharing, subscribing, rating, reviewing, uh, giving us five stars, letting your car club friends, uh, whomever uh, is in your circle of influence that you hang out with, thank you for letting them know about this Car to Carlisle podcast. The more people that listen, the greater the ratings, the better we do, and the more we can offer to each of you in the way of expanded content. So you help drive that, and thank you so much. Definitely can't wait to have you come back. Join us next week. And for now, I'll say, my friends, drive well, be well, take care.